How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got to I got to check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast. Sort of. Featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is... I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome back into another edition of Booze and Baseball with Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. This is episode number 28 for us, the Buster Posey number. And on this day, July 29th, 1957, day this podcast is releasing, third baseman Ray Jablonski of the New York Giants. Again, let me just repeat that name because it is a wonderful name. Ray Jablonski <laughs> went four for five with a double home run four driven in and one run scored they still lost nine to eight to the milwaukee braves was the name of the team which is pertinent team name changes that happened since our last show cleveland guardians now will be a thing um that's kind of interesting i guess just fact i just liked the name to be completely honest anyway what are you drinking tonight dusty <laughs> first of all i like that stat a lot uh the name's qu- kind of cool jablonski uh that you don't hear that one often um four for five with a double home run four driven in that's a pretty solid line right there but i think the coolest part about this Derek uh, and myself we did a, a little jeopardy night a, a week and a half ago and so one of the things we talked about were name changes uh especially teams in boston i believe what what was the original name Derek, for that red sox team it was the boston americans is that right yes i believe that is correct we just did like a a fun little baseball jeopardy thing the other week and i believe that was the answer to one of the questions yeah so the name change is a big thing the guardians uh i'm not going to give my hot take on that one it's i i wanted the cleveland spiders but anyways i am drinking a a gift uh so one of my coworkers, Delaney White, her parents were in town. They found out that I liked Guinness. And so they were just so kind that they showed up to my door. I had never met them before. Uh, <laughs> I had heard that they were great people. And to say the least, they are now number one on my list uh, because they gave me Guinness Extra Stout right here. So this is for the Whites right here. Thank you guys so much. Uh, this is uh, airing on our podcast for a reason. And so also uh, on top of that, Derek, tell us what you're drinking. And then I want to say something right after that. But I'm going to give this a crack. Okay, so I'm really boring tonight, and this will just be kind of a, a good way of saying why we didn't have an episode last week. I had an emergency appendectomy last week, and that sucked, but I'm still not into the drinking phase yet over the course of my recovery, so I'm just drinking water tonight. I'm sorry. I'm being very boring, but that's why we missed the show last week. It is not fun getting an appendectomy. 
Yeah, that's actually exactly what we were going to talk about. So as you can tell, sometimes we don't talk before the show about these things. And and so, yeah, I wanted to, I wasn't sure if Derek was drinking or not for this, but I very much am. So I just want to say we are very happy that you're back, DJ. Uh, didn't want to do the show without you this time. Remember, uh, it wasn't too long ago. You also had COVID and we had to miss the show. So uh, I don't know what the deal is, DJ. I'm glad you're healthy, buddy, but cheers to your water. Uh, thank you for uh, making a nice, safe recovery and uh, welcome back. We're, we're happy to, to be back on air here. Jesus turned water into wine. So by the transitive property, I am drinking. <laughs> if you think about it like that, but we have a lot to talk about on today's show. Trade yes, deadline is coming up on Friday at, I believe, 3, 4 o'clock Central, Eastern, one of the time zones. We have some trades to recap. We have some trades to possibly look forward to, guys on the trade block. So I guess we'll just start right there. We're going to do our caps off trade recaps and give kind of a fantasy spin reaction to the guys that have gone so far, at least the notable ones who have been traded to this point. First up, let's start with the letter A. Adam Frazier got traded to the Padres. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is a great ad for the Padres. Uh, obviously, Frazier, one of the league leaders in hits and uh, average as well. And so to add that dynamic, it's going to be interesting to watch what they do with him because uh, from what I've read and heard, he's going to be in some kind of almost super utility role. Uh, they already had Jake Cronenworth in that too. The fact that those two are in the same lineup is kind of amazing. Um, I am very excited to see what these Padres can do with Frazier there because you talk about a guy that gets on base frequently – and then you have Tatis and Machado that can drive him in. Uh, Cronenworth and Frazier are going to terrorize the league, uh, both for a fantasy perspective here. I think that Frazier is going to score a heck of a lot more runs. Um, so that's going to add value to him. Uh, and, and ultimately, I, I really like the move for the Padres. It's not one I necessarily saw coming. I thought they were going to go out and get Joey Gallo. But uh, this is actually a move I think I prefer to Joey Gallo. What about you? Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting just because – this gives them more flexibility with options there. I like it for them. Who knows what's going to happen with Eric Hosmer stuff. That seems to be the big rumor right now for them with what they're going to do. And that could open up playing time. You move Cronenworth to first more or move Will Myers to first more. And it opens up more space for him. I think from a fantasy aspect, I'm just interested to see how this does affect the different playing time options. For Frazier himself, if he continues putting up the high batting average, this will be great for him because now he's going to score even more runs. He's going to have more opportunity at RBI production in a better lineup with the Padres than he was with for the Pirates. I still don't know if I'm buying him being like a over 300 hitter for the rest of the season, but certainly his value is interesting from here going forward as it already has been over the course of this season. I'm just interested to see what this does to, for instance, Jake Cronenworth, Eric Hosmer, even any of the outfielders, what it does Jerks to their Profar. Yeah, I Profar think he's, is gonna uh, be he's probably the biggest loser, right? Yeah, I would say so. I, I still think that, you know, if you're playing fantasy, you probably aren't rostering Profar, so it's not going to hurt you much. But you do have to pay attention, as Derek just mentioned right there, if you have an outfielder for the Padres, watch out, because if one of them is slumping, they may end up just sending a guy like Cronenworth out there. And it, who knows? It, it is a little bit scary if you have one of those guys, a Tommy Pham, if Pham decides to go on a huge slump like he's he's been known to do. That is one that scares me just a tad. Will Myers, kind of the same situation. I, I would say any of those guys kind of got to monitor, and, and hopefully they don't lose their jobs because they brought in a guy that gets on base. Also, fun fact uh, for our San Luis Obispo crowd out there, something I didn't know, 
Adam Frazier has a connection to San Luis Obispo. He was a slow blue, uh, which is mm. an independent baseball team out here. Uh, really fun place to, uh, to go watch a baseball game. And yeah, Frazier played for them in 2011. Had no idea until this past weekend. So uh, a good old San Luis Obispo guy is now out there uh, in San Diego. Uh, the more you know. Let's move on to the Oakland A's. They've made a couple of trades. We're, I'm going to lump these together, even though they're different. They got Andrew Chafin from the Cubs to bolster their bullpen. And then they added to the lineup. This was earlier, I say today, the day of recording, but yesterday, based on when you're listening, Starling Marte in one of the biggest trades we've seen so far, given what's going back on both ends. They get Starling Marte. They give up Jesus Lazardo, who was, I mean, a couple years ago, last year, one of the top pitching prospects in the entire MLB hasn't really come lived up to fruition so far. But as we've talked about many times, a lot of times these pitching prospects take some time. Seems like he could be really good. So first things first, thoughts on both those trades. And then the second part of this, which of those intrigues you more? Not like, like obviously Starling Marte has more fantasy value than Andrew Chafin. But does the Andrew Chafin move – maybe have more of an impact on what, how you view him than it being a plus or minus to Starling Marte. That was actually a great lead because uh, first of all, I, I like both moves for the A's. I really do. Uh, I know that they had to give up a pretty key piece in Lazardo, but uh, let's face it. He's not pitching that well in the minor leagues right now. He wasn't really figuring it out with the A's. Sometimes the change of scenery is good. I think we might see that with a guy like Gavin Lux for the Dodgers. Um, it's something that, you know, you have to give to get. And I don't think people realize that in order to acquire good players, you're not going to give away a bucket of baseballs. Right. And so uh, I, I just think that this trade makes sense. The other thing that I really like, is that the A's are making moves. You know, it's not something you normally see them do at the deadline where they're making a significant acquisition. The last one off the top of my head I could think of was when they went after, like, John Lester. Um, you know, it's just – it's hard for me to really think of the time that the A's really stepped up at the deadline. And, you know, they're the first team that truly has been buying. And so I will answer that question with the uh, the Chafin and Marte by saying I, I like the move a lot with Marte. But Chafin is actually the one that revolutionizes this trade market because they got him so early. How many other trustworthy lefty relievers are actually out there right now? You saw Taylor Rogers get hurt. Who knows if he's actually going to be dealt now? We don't know the extent of that injury. I know it's, I believe, a finger sprain. But uh, the fact that they acquired Chafin this quickly, taking away from, I believe, at least 10 to 12 suitors, I mean, that's a big deal that they got a guy that's reliable. He's been pretty much lights out for the most part this season. So I, I really actually loved that move. Um, and uh, if you're a fan of the teams that needed a lefty reliever, you, you don't really have a lot of options now. So the A's got a guy that I think it's hard to, to find that commodity right now. By the way, you can be traded for a bucket of baseballs. John Odom was traded for pristine baseball bats. And then Tim Fortugno I believe that's how you pronounce it, was traded for a dozen baseballs and $25,000. <laughs> that is the best stat you've ever pulled up on this show. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How did you do that so quickly? In real time that we're recording this, Derek literally did that. I mean, like, what you're hearing is what you get. Derek did that in, gosh, you had, like, less than a minute to find that. You are a quick Googler, my friend. Computers are a hell of a drug. Uh, <laughs> oh I, I think the Chafin one, the Chafin one is almost – more interesting to me in terms of his fantasy impact. Like Starling Marte is a more impactful and better fantasy player, and he'll still continue to do that. He always has his injury woes, 
But now with the A's, I guess you say, well, maybe a few more opportunities for runs in, in RBI, same way as Adam Frazier, just in a better lineup. He's still in a pitcher's park as he was in Miami. But with Andrew Chafin, it's the opportunity that maybe he gets save chances every now and then with the A's. And it kind of depends on your league. If you have a holds league, then he has more value because that's probably going to be the majority of it. But it's not like I, – I don't feel like they're going to be super tied down to, oh, Lou Trevino has to save this opportunity for us. Like if Andrew Chafin is facing a lineup with a couple lefties coming up that inning, I could see him getting save opportunities. So to me, it almost impacts his value a little bit more just in terms of where it was at and where it now is because Marte is about the same. And then Lazardo it makes him more interesting. If you're in like a one-year league, he's probably not owned because he's having a bad season. Maybe you think about bringing him up now. If the Marlins are going to bring him back up into the majors or if they're going to use him in maybe a relief role this year, I don't know. I would be interested to see what the Marlins could do with him, especially with a team that has really figured out developing pitchers right now. When you think of some of the young pitchers they have with Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara, even guys who we haven't seen, Sixto Sanchez and so forth. I'm really excited to see that rotation moving forward. But I love this move as well for dynasty leagues with Jesus Lazardo moving forward. Change of scenery could be a good thing for him. This one happened about a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks. I can't remember. Nelson Cruz got traded to the Rays. Thoughts on that one? Does it impact his fantasy value at all? Yeah, well, first of all, in our personal league, Derek uh, has Nelson Cruz. And uh, the first thing that happened as soon as he heard news of this was that he wanted to put him on the trade block. And so I immediately sent a trade offer because I I don't care where – Yes, it was a big one. And uh, I'm a big fan of Nelson Cruz. I don't care what age he is. That guy hits as well as any guy in the league. I mean, put him up against anybody and and I could take him. I I really don't care how old he is. He's like a fine wine. He gets better with age. Um, I I think he's in a better lineup, honestly. I I know it's a little inconsistent, but the, the park may not necessarily favor him. But he's also not going up against great pitching. And keep in mind, he also played for the Orioles. He's very familiar with those ballparks out east. Um, I I just – I like Nelson Cruz no matter where he ends up. And I think that he's got a bunch of run producers in front of him. And that's that's an important thing. And I think the Twins just really couldn't get it together this year. Uh, Having Byron Buxton hurt consistently didn't help the production, I think, for – for Cruz in terms of RBIs. So I think he's going to have better RBI chances. Uh, and ultimately the Rays are going to be playing in a lot of competitive games at the end of the year. So this really helps him because, you know, instead of the twins, maybe benching him uh, or not playing him just simply because, Hey, like we have no reason to compete. Um, he's going to be playing in some high games. And let me tell you, Nelson Cruz is clutch, man. So yeah, he's a fantasy asset. Uh, and uh Derek, if you're still putting him out there, I still want him. So <laughs> I was just I, I worried because the Twins ballpark is kind of a net neutral. It's not like a hitter's park. It's not a pitcher's park. The Rays is very much a pitcher's park, especially at – there's certain categories that get taken away or added in different parks. So, like, there are certain parks where it might be bad for home runs but good for triples. They're bad with doubles and home runs, and that's the biggest extra base hit opportunities for Nelson Cruz. He's not really fast enough – to get triples, although he does occasionally actually kind of show off some of his speed, uh, given speed with an asterisk for being 41 years old. I was just worried a little bit about that, about the park change, but he's still Nelson Cruz. He's still going to 
be bam bam with the bat and <laughs> I trust him to do well the rest of the season. Kendall Graveman is going to the Astros. This is one that's interesting because he was doing well with the Mariners and this seemed to upset some of the clubhouse, but also he had been struggling ever since the uh, in, enforcements had started being made about sticky stuff with the baseballs, uh, making some wonder if that was all of his early success earlier in the year. So what are your thoughts on him going to Houston? Yeah, I still think it's a really horrible trade, just the way that the Mariners carried it out. Uh, I mean, you couldn't have traded that guy at a worse time. You're playing the Astros. Like, what are you doing? You're having him literally walk over to your rival team that you're competing with in the division, uh, and you're handing him over to a team that, you know, I, I honestly, I, I don't think a lot of players sit there saying, man, I hope I get traded to the Astros based off what happened in 2017. I just can't imagine that that's, that's like a destination players are hoping to get traded to. And, and the fact that the Mariners are one game outside of the wild card, I mean, that's got to be a little difficult. And, and that, this goes beyond the fantasy value. I think this is more of the, uh, the person value, if you will. I, I heard his post-trade interview when he was wearing the Houston – Uni, and you could just tell that it was really something that that hurt, you know. And and so I don't know how he's going to succeed, man, because there might be some mental chips involved there. Um, you know, he connected very well, clearly, with the clubhouse in Seattle. That people forget that these are actual people that play too, right? And there's an emotional aspect to this game. Who knows? I I don't know if I really like this. If you own Graveman. Sure, maybe he'll have more opportunities, but the Ryan Presley's the closer, so he's going to end up getting you know holds. Like he's going to be put in a very different situation than what he was in in Houston. I mean, in Seattle, and so I, I I'm just not really a huge fan of this. I think this hurts his fantasy value, and uh, if you could trade him, do it. But I, I'm guessing you're not going to get a whole heck of a lot for him. Yeah, that's that's part of the issue. If you're not in a holds league, all of a sudden value goes down a big amount, and he wasn't always getting the saves in Seattle anyway but now it's going to be very few and far between if he gets him. And then on top of it, he has been, like I said, one of the biggest drops in what his stuff has provided ever since the enforcement of the sticky stuff with the baseball. Maybe going to Houston, they'll have a new way for him to figure out a way around that. Cameras but, or something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think he's one of the guys whose values drops the most with a trade that we've seen so far. Eduardo Escobar earlier today got traded to the Brewers. I always forget that Eduardo Escobar was an all-star this year, which just seems weird, but I guess everybody has to have a representative. So it makes sense. Uh, what do you like about this trade for the Brewers? Do you think this enhances his fantasy value at all? Not much. I mean, mm -hmm. he gets to a better ballpark, so that's a good thing. And he gets to be in a much better lineup. So, yeah, I think his value will, like, rise a little bit. Um, and he's a pretty decently productive player. Uh, but, it, you know, that he never screams like a sexy name. He's had a couple breakout seasons. If you go back in his history, I mean, he's put together 30-plus home run years. And, and he's been fantasy valuable, you know. And so I think it's possible. The only problem I have is I'm just not a huge fan of Brewers players offensively. Uh, for fantasy purposes because it, to me I see this move similar to what they did in 2018 when they got Jonathan Scope uh, where Scope was kind of just used in situations that were necessary Mike Moustakis was the same way and they kind of lost some value I it, it's hard for me to see exactly what direction this goes I'm gonna have to see him in the lineup a couple times before I realize kind of where I assess this trade 
I think it's going to improve his value, but I don't know if he's going to be in the lineup every day. It, it is really difficult to figure this one out. Of the games he's played this year, 65 at third, 42 at second, one at short, but he's not going to play short. Willie Adamas has been a revelation ever since going over to the Brewers. His WRC plus this year is 105. Luis Arias, who's been playing a lot at third base for them, his WRC plus is 103. So it's not that much of an upgrade, but maybe he'll get some time there. Colton Wong has been playing second base a lot for this team. He's got a 123 WRC plus. I don't know that he's that much of an upgrade over what they currently have is basically what right. I'm alluding to here. So I don't, I don't think – honestly, if anything, it's probably a little bit of a loss for him because he's still going to get playing time, but it might not be as regularly as he was getting in Arizona. It might be more situationally based, and because of that – I would probably try to sell him if you had him in fantasy for that reason alone. And if you're in a dynasty league, he's not a young guy. He's going to be turning 33. He's over 32 and a half years old right now. So yeah, I would probably try to sell Eduardo Escobar right now uh, before it gets too late. And then the last one, this is one that I guess, honestly, I don't even know if it's been official yet because it sounded like it was happening. And then it sounded like they were still discussing other players involved in it and trying to figure out, who was all going and if it was official and confirmed, but it sounds like Joey Gallo is going to the Yankees. So hypothetically, if this does officially go through, this has got to be a big win for Joey Gallo's fantasy value, right? Oh yeah, no doubt. And first of all, just based off what was initially rumored uh, and, and reported uh, for that return, if it's exactly what we think it is with the 15th prospect being the best in return for Gallo, the Rangers got fleeced. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. Like I said, time of recording, there's obviously still a lot of question marks here. And um, so we'll see kind of what goes down, but uh, that's, that's not a good trade if that's what the case is, but for Gallo's value, absolutely. He gets in a better lineup in a better ballpark. You know, it, the funny thing is Gallo has so much power that I don't think the short porch really matters that much because he's still going to hit it like 200 feet over that thing, right? Like he, he's going to absolutely annihilate baseballs there, but he is in a better lineup. He's going to see better pitches. Um, I, I just think that his value definitely rises significantly. And, um, you know, I've never really been a huge Joey Gallo believer fantasy-wise. I've always looked at him as an Adam Dunn, but I think embrace the Adam Dunn with this guy because he's going to hit – 50 home runs. I mean, he's going to, that's what he's built for. And so this ballpark is going to help him significantly. Maybe a ball in Texas that, you know, was going to the warning track. I mean, you're talking about two completely different ballparks, by the way, one that's a complete pitcher's park. That's way too large to one that literally doesn't hold anything. So yeah, he's going to annihilate the baseball out there. Um, His value probably skyrockets the most out of anybody that gets traded uh, no matter what. I 100% agree. You go from Texas, which is the pitcher's park, to New York, which could have the best right field park you want. And Gallo does hit a lot of his more line drives, doubles, singles to right field. His home runs come a little bit more spread out, but it's still going to help him. I, I don't – I always am hesitant with how much do the do ballparks help you because they certainly do help. But what is the difference – and this is kind of why I went the other way on the Nelson Cruz thing as well, where at first it was kind of an overreaction and then I thought about it more. If you're in like the Yankees stadium versus being in the worst hitters ballpark, it might be the difference of, I don't know, five home runs over the course of the season, which maybe that's a lot. Maybe that's not with only half a season to go. That might only be an extra two home runs. So it's not like overly changing for him, but it is a positive, sure. And obviously you'd rather have 
those extra couple home runs than not have them at all. Something else to mention with that is just simply that not only does Gallo's value rise, but the players around him, the value rises as well because you're assuming that he's going to be driving in quite a few runs in that ballpark. So guys like Glaber Torres, uh, they're probably going to score more runs. Um, you have guys in that lineup that obviously can get on base. It, DJ LeMahieu probably is going to score more runs. Uh, the one guy that gets hurt by this is probably Luke Voigt, right? Luke Voigt, we, we don't know what that situation is going to look like for him. But uh, Joey Gallo, huge ad for them. Yep, 100%. Okay, so those are the guys who have been traded so far. Let's kick this off. You have something prepared for us here to get to the rest of the trade deadline. <laughs> well, it is, Derek, the best time of the year. And so there's nothing I like quite like poetry. Uh, just a little throwback. I don't know if you remember this, but back in good old, I'd say, yeah, my junior year of college at TCU, I had to take a class called Poetry of Water. I had to make poems about water. I had to break down poems about water. This is a show about alcohol. Um, and so obviously I decided maybe make a poem about baseball and alcohol. So this is a poem about our trade deadline coming up because this is the best time of the year. And it goes like this. Tis the season we all long for when trades arrive and we want more. When Twitter cries, the price of Kimbrel is way too high. When prospects flip, then the fan base dips. Where does Max Scherzer land? Where will Trey Turner follow? Brian to San Fran, story leaving Colorado. Could we see Gallo fly high to the Friars? Is Whit Merrifield the bat Seattle desires? The NL West is already fun. What trade could push the Giants, Dodgers, or Pods to number one? Are the Red Sox all in? Are the Yankees even buyers? How many trades will come down to the wire? Expect the White Sox to be right there in the mix. Can't wait for their first deal that will end up getting nixed. And while all eyes will be on the Rockies, Nats, and Cubs, will the Reds and Brewers get any more trade love? The NL East is a mess. The Mets and Phillies agree. Will John Gray head their way pretty much for free? Is Byron Buxton traded by the deadline? All we know is his medicals will not be fine. This is the best time of the year year when all is in doubt posting random proposals on twitter for clout so get ready bnb fans the trade deadline is here sit back relax and grab a beer raise a glass cheers and best of luck the rest of the year wow wonderful actually i shouldn't be clapping what do they do at like poetry do they like like a golf clap do or? they nod is it do no they, nod? they do I something like they specific nod. and i man i need to go they back usually and watch. sit there 21 Jump Street, I guess. I, I need to think about my my poetry of water. I have to think back to that. But normally my teacher would sit there and say, oh, that was just beautiful. <laughs> so maybe that's what it is. Did you take that class knowing, like, did you think it was going to be a joke? Were, were you trying to get, like, an easy A? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like absolutely. that's the type of class. I, I saw that think. on that list. Yeah, and then you end up getting there, and yeah. they're like, no, you're going to be writing, like, an essay every every week. If you want, go on Twitter and type in hashtag poetry of water and you will see only my tweets about poetry of water. I deleted none of them and they are borderline insane. I did this not terribly long ago because I thought about this and I was like, I wonder if those are still obviously out there. And of course they are because I never deleted them. So you'll see like a picture of a water fountain and it says, wow, this is beautiful and hashtag poetic hashtag poetry of water. So yeah, if you're bored as heck, Go type in hashtag poetry of water. I, I probably should add this, honestly. This poem is probably Twitter worthy, you would imagine. So I, I think I'm going to do that. Oh, why not? And make poetry of water a thing again. Well, as Bruce Lee once said, be like water making its way through 
cracks do not be assertive but adjust to the object and the object we are adjusting to is possible other trades so we're going to do drink or no drink nice we're segue have 10 different cases that we're expecting to move and where they wind up so from a fantasy value perspective we'll have a sip which means they stay with the team a spill which means you should probably drop them a chug which means their value probably goes up and a keg which means they shoot up dramatically so again, sip means you should probably just hold them. Spill means you should probably drop them or trade them away. Chug means it's probably going up a little bit, but not dramatically. And keg, it is shooting up dramatically. First up are the two Washington National stars on the block. Uh, one of them seems to be a competition between our two teams, along with the Padres and the NL West, Max Scherzer. The other one, Trey Turner. Yeah, it, to me, at least at this time, I, I feel like, we're going to see Max Scherzer definitely be traded. It seems like 100%. I think he's going to the Giants, personally. I, I think that there's something to be said about Farhan making a move for a team that is playing incredibly well. The Giants team is for real. And I think Scherzer is going to wind up there. And I think that uh, if he does, my gosh, that ballpark, the way that this team finds ways to win, he's going to secure wins left and right. I, I'm taking the keg on this. It shoots up dramatically for me. Um, I, I know that he's going to have to face the Dodgers and the Padres, but outside of those two matchups, man, I mean, Scherzer's a great ad no matter when you have him. I, I'm chugging that one big time. As for Trey Turner, yikes. If he gets traded to a ballpark, let's say he gets dealt in a deal with Scherzer to the, uh, the Giants – well, I think his value might drop a little bit because he has shown some power lately. And so the last thing you want is to see that pop go away. You also just don't know how a player is going to respond when they're thrown into a different lineup. Let's say the Dodgers acquire Turner and Scherzer. Well, Turner is going to probably be thrown in a really different, unique lineup than what he's been in in D.C. He probably will score more runs if that's the case, if he gets thrown in. So he's more of a, a wait-and-see kind of guy, but obviously Turner is a top-tier talent. Uh, so no matter what, I'm obviously going to be drinking and, and chugging with him. So uh, that's where I'll stick with that. But I think Scherzer goes to the Giants. I think Turner probably doesn't get traded. Turner for me is just a sip, staying the same. I guess the one caveat, like you said, you don't know how being in a different lineup impacts you. And I think the biggest thing, like I'm a big stack guy, but there are mental aspects of it. I refuse to believe that it's at least a little bit not a, a coincidence that um, Eugenio Suarez has had basically his worst year in a year they moved him to shortstop and it is he's just been bad there defensively and it's gotten him out of his comfort zone. I think that does affect you sometimes at the plate. So who knows, maybe Trey Turner – uh, for instance, if, like you said, he goes to the Giants, he's not playing shortstop over Brandon Crawford, who's an elite defensive shortstop. So he might play second base or third base. Does that affect him mentally? I don't know, but he's just so good. So I would just say sip, stay the same. And then Max Scherzer, I would probably say sip, stay the same as well, just because he's an elite pitcher. Wherever he'll go, he'll still be an elite pitcher. Now, if he goes to, I know there's some NL East teams in the discussion. Maybe that makes you reconsider that. And maybe that makes you think, that it's a slight spill, just a little bit of a, oh, I was taking a sip and a little bit slipped on my uh, my shirt there just because of the fact Those that- Those are the, the worst. That, yeah. That's the worst feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but the ballparks and the lineups in that league. But overall, I think his value will be pretty similar no matter where he's at. There's another pitcher on the block that I know the Giants at least are interested in, Danny Duffy. I know the Padres, I think all the West Coast teams are of interest because those are teams he'd be interested in since he has rights to deny- 
trades for the Royals due to his length in the MLB. I think Duffy's somebody that definitely would see his value rise if he finds the right fit. Yeah, absolutely. He just needs to stay healthy. The The Napomo native, might I add, uh, another Central Coast guy, if you will, um, he, he would definitely add some serious value to, I think, any team he goes to. Remember, at the start of the year, he was pitching like a Cy Young, uh, and then he gets hurt and everybody forgets about him. That's usually how it goes. It's never, what did you do? It's what have you done for me now? Uh, and I think Duffy has so much to offer. Uh, do I expect him to put up the numbers he did at the start of the year? Maybe not, but uh, he's serviceable for any team that he shows up to. And, and I do think that, you know, if he ends up in the West coast where I think he probably will land, um, that's a great spot for him. And, and so, yeah, his value for me, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that Danny Duffy's the second coming of, you know, Cliff Lee or anything when he gets traded. But I, I would say I'm at least sipping that uh, maybe a little more. Maybe maybe it's a mix between a sip and a chug. Uh, it, it rises. I'm not chugging it a ton because I still think that, you know, he's going to be kind of a middle tier. But, yeah, I would roster him, I think. Yeah, I'm somewhere between a ship, uh, a sip, excuse me, and a chug because of the fact that – I think that his value could rise in a park like San Francisco. He could be on a team who's going to give him more wins if he's with LA or San Diego or whatnot. But also there is a part of me that's worried about with all the injuries he suffered. What happens if he goes to one of those good teams and they want to use him more as a long reliever or a guy that they're just going to use for three or four innings to open a game and then bring on a reliever. So it's kind of wait and see what his role would be. But I do think it would probably go up at least a little bit here, obviously, depending on the location. Another pitcher who's in the NL West right now, we'll see where he goes. If he does get traded, I would imagine he is John Gray. I'm a huge John Gray fan. Uh, If you look at his numbers this year, I think he's one of the sneaky guys. I mean, I picked him up in our fantasy league uh, and it was a little surprised nobody else made the move for him. Actually, he was dangling there for a while. Think about this. He's pitching at course. He is a three, six, seven ERA. His whip is a little higher than you'd want it to be at one, two, two, but his caper nine is right. Hovering around nine. Okay. He posts quality start after quality start. Um, and lately he has been just on fire. His most recent starts uh, against the Dodgers on the road. He went five innings allowing two runs. That's fine. They went seven innings against them the week or the start before seven innings, seven strikeouts, uh, allowing two runs again, six innings against the Padres, allowing one run. Um, He had 10 strikeouts against the Brewers on June the 25th. Uh, And that's when this whole kind of crazy streak of success for him has started. He's posted a quality start since that start every week, but the most recent one against the Dodgers where he, he still had a fine start. I really like this guy. I think that he's going to have some fantasy value And I think there's a lot of people out there that are going to really want him at the deadline. Uh, A team like the Mets, the Phillies, I think they're going to sit there and uh, it sounds to me like one of those two is probably going to end up with him. But I think he's serviceable for most of these contenders. Uh, He's a good number three. Uh, He's a great number four is how I see it. So um, for most of these teams that, that are looking for that number three, number four, John Gray's pretty consistent actually. I've heard him floated around for the Giants. I I feel like this is becoming a, who are the Giants going to try to trade for a podcast? And I don't want that to happen, but I have heard his name a lot for the Giants. I think his value would go up. Get any pitcher out of Coors Field. And it's been kind of weird for him because he has kind of had reverse splits at times where he's been better at home than on the road. But I think part of that is sometimes you might adjust 
to when you're pitching there so often, you might adjust and change up your game a little bit. I think if he winds up in a different park, maybe you readjust and then maybe you're there for a long term and you figure it out. So I would, I would say a slight chug, a slight rise in his value for John Gray, depending where he goes. His teammate, Trevor Story, is a guy who could get dealt, a guy they probably should have dealt back in the offseason because they probably would have got more for him than right now when he struggled a little bit this season. And now it looks like he's having some issues in the field, maybe kind of playing through an injury, so to speak. I kind of think this should definitely be a spill for Trevor Story getting out of Coors Field. As a guy that owns a share of Trevor Story, uh, yeah, it, it is a spill. I mean, anytime you get a hitter out of Coors Field, that is not ideal. Uh, Nolan Arenado's numbers haven't been terrible since he left Coors, but they're not, they're not Nolan-esque of a first-round or second-round player. Uh, you'd have to expect the same from Story. The one thing, I guess, that maybe the silver lining of him get, leaving – is the fact that he'd probably be a part of a better lineup no matter where he goes. But if he goes to the Giants, uh, which has been a, a rumor as well, is he really joining that much better of a lineup? I don't know. You know, I think it's a little bit better, but not enough to where I think his numbers are going to be enhanced. And and then you go to that ballpark, and are you really expecting him to put up 30 home run, 30 stolen base season? Probably not. The way that he's been hitting, I mean, he's definitely had a down year. Uh, if he goes to a team like the Yankees, uh, which who knows if that's going to happen now, but um, obviously hitters ballpark, maybe his numbers don't hurt as much and he's in a better lineup. I, I'm, I'm saying the odds are probably likely it's more of a spill than it is anything else. And if he gets traded to a place with a decent ballpark, then maybe, maybe it stays pat. Maybe it's a sip. But um, I, yeah, I'm not – as a owner of story and fantasy, I'm not particularly thrilled by the fact that he's going to be dealt at this deadline. I think there is a chance that it does end up happening, that it just coincides. It would be a more correlation than causation thing, where it feels like if he were to just stay in Colorado this year and not get traded, because the stats have been a little underwhelming, like he's still been good, but the stats have been a little bit underwhelming to what you'd expect from him, that if he just stayed there, his numbers would go up and that he's going to have a strong close to the season. So maybe that reversion to what we are expecting from Trevor story offsets losing the ballpark in chorus. And he ends up being a little bit better. That's definitely a possibility, but here's what I'm worried about by him getting out of course over the course of his career. He has a 971 OPS at home. He has a 745 OPS in every other ballpark. And that is even Worse this year in 2021, in Coors Field, he has an 822 OPS this year. He has a 633 OPS in every other ballpark this year. That is why I'm worried. So he is definitely a spill in my eyes, but maybe he'll end up with the Yankees and that would at the very least give him a ballpark or, or somewhere like that, that would at least be not necessarily, I don't want to say comparable to Coors Field, but it would get him in the same no pun intended here, ballpark. Okay, there are three big Cubs guys, and there could be more as well, but the three main ones, Craig Kimbrell, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez. Uh, what are, I guess, your thoughts on, on all three of those? I think at least two of them will be traded. Uh, fairly certain that they should trade all three. Uh, don't see why they wouldn't. Um, Craig Kimbrell, uh, for those of you that don't know, he's not a free agent at the end of the year. He still has another year on his contract. But, uh, you know, use the value that he has now because, remember, he was 
terrible last year. So the fact that he's been as good as he's been, sell him at your high point. I think that Kimbrell and Bryant will be packaged. Uh, I just think the Giants are going to be really active this deadline. I don't know. I, I the the package with Kimbrell maybe not so much, but the Giants need help in the bullpen. Kimbrell makes some serious sense for them. Uh, but I think Chris Bryant is almost a shoe in. I, I don't know why, but the match it, it's like a match made in heaven. He looks like he's a San Francisco Giant. You know, sometimes you see a player and you're just like, yeah, that that dude looks like. He belongs with that team. Chris Bryant looks like a San Francisco giant to me. I, I don't know what it is. Um, and they have that void at third base. Uh, we don't know what the health and status of Longoria is going to be. And obviously Longoria is older. You, you can have Bryant play other positions too. So, um, you know, Brandon Bell's been hurt. You know, you could throw Bryant in the outfield. I mean, I just think he makes so much sense for a lineup that could really use an impactful bat to join Buster Posey and, and Brandon Crawford. Um, you, you have those three together. That's pretty scary. And I know that Bryant's numbers have been trending down, but come on, you, you move him to a new place, change of scenery. I think he's going to be fine. And I think the giants would be a great fit for him. Uh, Javier Baez is the one that I struggle with. I, I just don't know exactly where I see a fit. Um, maybe the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, is, is kind of a team I could see him winding up with. Uh, I just don't know what that price is going to look like. He's been probably one of the most difficult players for me, both from a real life and a fantasy perspective uh, to approach. So from a fantasy perspective for all three of these, I'm going to say Kimbrell is going to get more opportunities no matter where he goes. And he should wind up being the closer pretty much anywhere. If he gets traded to the Dodgers, that might be a bit of a concern because we don't know what Dave Roberts is going to do ever. Uh, But I'm basically going to be sipping to close to chugging Kimbrell uh, I would say I'm going to be chugging Brian. I, I think Brian's value is going to skyrocket again once he goes anywhere. Even at, even at the ballpark in San Francisco, I just think he needs to get out of Chicago. I really do. I think his numbers will, numbers will be better. And as for Javi Baez, well, I, I just don't really know what to think of that. Um, it, it's probably honestly going to be a sip for me. It's going to be somewhere between a sip and a spill. I think, yeah – Kimbrel for me is probably just a sip because I think no matter where he's going to go, I would assume he's still going to be the closer because he's that good and he's still going to be in those high leverage situations. He's still having such an elite year that that shouldn't change really no matter what, where he ends up. So I would definitely say sip with him. Obviously the only caveat to that would be imagine if he goes to a team who does have, an established closer and they're like, we're going to make you a holds guy. If you're in a holds league, then honestly it probably doesn't matter. But if you're in a saves league, that would be the nightmare scenario. But those are, I don't even know how many teams would do that. Like how many teams who have an established closer would actually make that trade to begin with. And then on top of it, make him the holds guy. I don't, I don't know that you can count that on, on one hand, if you could even count that at all. So I wouldn't really worry about that too much. Javi Baez is interesting because I haven't really been a Javi Baez believer these last couple of years, but like, you, you know, as, as well as me, like he is a very emotional player and there's a part of me that wants to just take this like completely non-analytical approach with him because that's been the story of his career kind of so far. Uh, of being a guy who, oh, I don't really like to walk. I use my athleticism. I'm chasing pitches out of the zone, but I'm still hitting them anyway. It's 100% who he is. That's a beautiful, beautiful breakdown. And doesn't that make you think that being in a, a change of scenery, being in a place where they're excited to have you and you feel the excitement around the ballpark and you're in the playoff race is only going to help That's a good him? point. 
It's a good point. It, it just it matters where he goes, and that's why I think. Uh, correct me if if you think that this is a bad spot, but I just think Philadelphia, for whatever reason, just feels like Javi Baez to me. Like like I was mentioning, Chris Bryant to the Giants. Javi Baez just has this like hard nose, kind of what you were alluding to. Chicago vibe. I mean, he definitely is very aggressive. He's outspoken. He's, he's, he's loud on the field. He's El Mago for a reason. And, and I feel like the Phillies fans are just going to love him if he goes there. But if, if Baez goes to, I don't know, what, what, what's another place that you could see him at? Maybe the Yankees, like even the Yankees crowd's crazy and exciting, but I, I don't know. It's weird. Like, I feel like the fit's different there for me than, than he would be in Philly. I just feel like Philly is the right fit for Baez. Um, if I'm if I'm the Phillies, I go for that guy because, like you said, they they need some kind of energy in that locker room. They're not the most exciting team right now, um, and Didi Gregorius can always move around, and he hasn't been particularly healthy, and his numbers haven't been great either. So you throw a Javi Baez in there, my gosh, who knows? I mean, that division's up for grabs right now. And then Chris Bryant is the only one I didn't get to. For me, it's probably a sip because there is a part of me that is scared that he has been slumping really bad of late. And on top of it, I keep seeing these like videos or comments from Bryant of how sad he would be to leave the Cubs. Are you going to be able to move on to a new team? I still think he would. And you mentioned the Giants. I, I 100% agree with you. Like He is a guy that I can just see in a Giants uniform. I really hope it happens because I love Chris Bryant. And get this. This is Chris Bryant's career numbers at uh, San Francisco's park. This is – I don't know if this is just when it was AT&T or if it's combined. I believe this is just all of it. Yeah, this is, this is all of it. So uh, they combined Oracle and AT&T onto this baseball reference stat. Career playing in San Francisco, 324 average, 387 OBP, 618 slugging in 17 games – 618 slugging in San Francisco. Yeah, that's an automatic. And, and and here's the thing, Derek, as a Giants fan, I mean, what has been the Farhan move? You haven't had one. So Tom, Tommy LaStella, I mean, <laughs> honestly, like, like, like they, they haven't made any signature move and you just have to assume at some point Farhan sits there and says, I have a team that, that can win the World Series. We are going toe-to-toe with the Dodgers and the Padres, and we're beating them. We're not just like going toe-to-toe. We're beating them. I can make a move or several moves that can help put us over the top. I mean, I really think the Giants are scary at this deadline because they have an opportunity to go out there. They have a decent amount of riches in the farm system, I, I, I believe. Um, and so to go out and get Bryant and Scherzer and Kimbrell – I don't think that's out of the realm. I really don't. I know it's a lot. I know that's like very optimistic. And for somebody that is a Giants fan like yourself, I'm sure that's like music to your ears, but I think it can be a reality. I really do. Uh, I just, I Farhan has got to make a move at some point. And if he doesn't, I feel like Giants fans are going to make him, you know, hear that. Brad Hand is another big name on the block. He struggled a little bit more of late, but he was nails to begin the season Obviously, everybody's looking for relief help. What are your thoughts on his value uh, fantasy-wise? Yeah, so this is one of those lefty relievers that's still available that um, has a ton of value. And so I think that he's going to end up with the Dodgers. Uh, Out of all the moves out there, I think this is the one that feels like a shoe-in for me. Um, If it wasn't for Taylor Rogers getting injured, then that may change things. But the Dodgers desperately need – a lefty guy to come out of the pen. They have nobody reliable at this time. Victor Gonzalez has been not like not even marginally close to 
the, the success that he showed in 2020. And so uh, the Dodgers have shown interest in Brad Hand for a while. Um, they tried to trade for him multiple times. Uh, I believe they were in the running to sign him this offseason as well. I think they finally get the job done and, and the Dodgers acquire Brad Hand. I think that's going to be probably their biggest move is my guess. Yeah, I, I think that would be perfect for the Dodgers, especially with you think back to some of these Dodgers-Giants games that have occurred and some of the, the late-inning blow-ups, so to speak. And not always the reliever's fault. You have umpires involved. You have Cody Bellinger making throws involved as well. But it would definitely help just thinking about that in your own division. And I think for that reason, if you're in a holds league, his value is probably about the same. If you're in a saves leagues, I know he's not getting all the saves now anymore as he was early in the year, but it's probably a little bit of a loss overall. Byron Buxton is a guy who was offered an extension from the Twins. He was offered some Aaron Hicks money, which it's funny to say that because Buxton is way better, but also Buxton is always hurt, so it makes sense. And because he he denied that contract, it sounds like the Twins have put him on the block. Who knows if he'll actually get traded. He's probably not as sure of a thing as these other guys, but he would be very interesting to see if he did get traded and see him in a stretch run, if he could come back and see him in the postseason, electrifying to what he did at the beginning of the season. I think that Byron Buxton, for me, would probably be a sip, though, just because I think he's great in Minnesota. I think he'll be great wherever he is. Obviously, it's just all dependent on health, which – I don't think that's really going to depend on where he's at. I think that Buxton, if he ends up, and I've said this organization a couple times here because I think they're going to be active at the deadline. I think they, they will see an opportunity, and they should jump at it if they can. And that would be the Philadelphia Phillies. If the Phillies go after and acquire Byron Buxton, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm an owner of Buxton. I've been super frustrated by the injuries that he's given. Uh, he's had. It's just been ridiculous. But if he's acquired by the Phillies – once he's arriving, you know, if you don't have Buxton, I would go out and get him because for me, that's a keg. I, I think that put him in that lineup in that ballpark for, for some reason, Buxton is yet another one of those guys that just looks like the right fit. And to be out in the Phillies uni to hit, you know, alongside Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins can drive him in. You would probably think that Buxton would hit in the three hole. Uh, my guess would be that Harper hits two, Buxton's three, and Hoskins is four. If that happens, I, I'm all in. I think that that's a great add. Um, anywhere else, I'm probably the same way as you, Derek. I think that it's probably a sip for me. Um, it pretty much saves Pat. But if he goes to the Phillies, that is a huge, huge upgrade for me, in my opinion. The last one we got on here of these 10 candidates is Whit Merrifield who is still under contract through next season. So the Royals don't have to necessarily trade him. And in the past, they've been very almost too attached sometimes to not trade these guys and get out in front of it when maybe you could argue they probably should. It seems like this would be a good time to trade Whit Merrifield, though. And it seems like maybe they're a little bit more willing this year than they have been in years past because he seems like a guy who gets brought up each and every year. Maybe this is finally the year. What do you think of his fantasy value if he gets dished? Yeah, this is one of Derek's guys uh, and one of his big ones. Uh, so I think to me, I love Whit Merrifield. I think he's one of my favorite players to watch. Um, and, and he's a fun fantasy player as well. I know he's not putting up nearly the, the same numbers he's done in the past. I think that if he gets traded to a contender, 
I think those numbers will rise. I also think he'll be a starter every day, as he should be. His role may be cut out to be a little bit different, though. He may be looked at as a super utility, similar to kind of what Adam Frazier or Cronenworth looks like. Um, Derek loves to get these kind of players, uh, the, these guys with multi-position eligibility. And, and I, I think that, you know, he should be at the top of most lineups, uh, no matter where he's at. There's the rumor out there that he's going to the Seattle Mariners. I'm not sure how I feel about him going to Seattle. I, I just don't love that lineup for him. Um, and especially with the fact they traded Graveman and that locker room sounds like it's in shambles. I don't know if I love the fit because of the fact that it sounds like it's a mix of just assorted personality and frustration right now. I think if you send him elsewhere to a contender, um, and, and honestly, that's a wide array, but uh, I could see – you know, a team like the Yankees, um, I could see a team like the Giants uh, in on Merrifield. And I feel like the value pretty much, it, it goes up at least a little bit. He'll be in a better lineup, score more runs, pretty much does what he does and get a little bit of counting stats in addition to what he already at, is at. I don't think it's going to be a significant jump for him no matter where he goes. But I will say that it's, it's between a sip and a chug for me if he does get traded just because he'll be in a better situation. And for the Royals, if you're trying to build around Bobby Wood Jr., you got to get some guys around him. Uh, he's got a 934 career OPS. It's only nine games, but in T-Mobile Park in Seattle. So that would be a positive, I guess. That's such a small sample, though, so I don't even want to bounce off that. I think I would just say probably sip on this one and stay about the same. I know that's boring, but I, I think no matter where he goes, you're looking at a guy who – Maybe he's hitting at the top of the lineup. I think the worst thing that could happen to him, because Whit Merrifield, his on-base percentage and slugging percentage aren't great, but what he does a lot of, he'll get you steals, he'll get you runs, he'll get you RBI. Bats, too. He gets at bat, at bat bats big time. Exactly. And so the one thing that I would be worried about is if he goes to a team where he's having to hit like seventh in the lineup. If he goes to a team where if he's still hitting at the top of the lineup, I think his value could even go up if it's a better lineup. But if it's in a lineup that, again, he's hitting sixth, seventh, or eighth, and the run production goes down and the at-bats go down, and so the total numbers go down, then I think you're hurting and I think the overall value goes down there. So that is one that is very dependent, I think, to me on where specifically he gets traded. If he goes to Seattle, what is your take? Seattle, I wouldn't love because I do agree with you over the fact that they don't have a lineup that's enticing that makes you think of a lot of run production, but I do think he would hit at the top of the order, so I think it would just be about the same at what with what he's doing in Kansas City. Yeah, I could see the same. Okay, there's also some interesting names who we didn't put on here because of trade viability but they're still free agents in the 2021 offseason. I think we probably could have put Anthony Rizzo. Rysel Iglesias has been a name that's definitely floated around. Who knows what the Angels are going to do? The other guy, sneaky free agent, doesn't seem like the Braves are going to be sellers, but you could convince yourselves to. Freddie Freeman is a free agent in the offseason. I would assume they're going to try to re-sign him, which is why they wouldn't trade him. But then again, we have seen before, like Aroldis Chapman gets traded from the Yankees to the Cubs, gets him Glaber Torres, and then they sign Aroldis Chapman the very next offseason. So thoughts on any of those three guys? Yeah, if I'm the Braves right now, I have a closed-door meeting with Freddie Freeman, and I'd say, hey, we're going to give you a chance to win a World Series. We're going to trade you to a contender. 
uh, and then we're going to sign you right back. That's our goal. We want to net some prospects to build around our team, but we still want you to be the focal point of this team. Would you be interested? And if Freeman says yes, that sounds good. Then they trade him and get as much as they can in return. And then they sign him again in the offseason. I don't see why you don't do that. I don't know why that doesn't happen more often. Um, and I think that's going to happen, honestly, with the Bryant situation, too. I think Bryant's going to get traded, and then you're going to see him re-sign with the Cubs no matter where he goes after this deadline. Um, I think he's going to sign with the Cubs again because he seems like a Cubs lifer. Um, and I think Freeman's the same way. I, there is something to be said about staying with your organization the entire time. I get that. But if you want to be smart up at the front office, if you want to maximize value, there are so many teams out there that would kill, like the Boston Red Sox going for Freddie Freeman. Holy cow. Can you imagine what the Red Sox would, un Red Sox would unload for that guy? And then, you know, I mean, the Braves, they don't have it this year. They don't have Acuna. They've had the drama with Ozuna. Get what you can for Freeman and then make it known that your plan is to sign him. The only reason why you're doing this is so that you can build an even better roster for the future. I, I, I mean, if he's a brave for life, to me, I think that's a great move. Uh, and it gives him a chance to win a World Series too. Maybe not with the team that he wants to. And, and that may be the, the difference. I don't know. Uh, but to me, I, I would do it. I, I Personally, if I'm a GM, I would have that closed door meeting and say, listen, we want you. We love you. We respect you. The fan base may be upset initially. We can't reveal what happens behind this door, but we're going to sign you back. Yeah, I, I would probably do that more often, but it has to be it has to be the right player. And there's going to be certain players who might view it as, no, if you're trading me away, that's disrespectful. I don't want to re-sign here. So it just has to be the right guy. Rysel Iglesias is the one that I'm really interested in because I think he could be Everybody's going to talk about Kimbrel, and he's going to have to. You're going to have to pay a huge price for Kimbrel. You're going to get to pay a lower price, assuming that the Angels do trade Iglesias, and you might get pretty similar production. You go to his baseball savant page, lots of red. He is 97th percentile in expected weighted OBA, expected ERA, 96th in expected batting average, 98th in K percentage, 95th in walk percentage, 99th in whiff rate, 98th in chase rate. And that's just some of the numbers, not all of them. His numbers are expected to be better than what they currently are. 3.35 ERA as a closer doesn't necessarily say lights out. But you look at the analytic numbers, you look at the 0.9 whip, and it makes you think, I mean, his expected ERA is 2.36. I think he could be one of the steals of the trade deadline because he won't have the same value as a guy like Craig Kimbrell. And I think I would be all about going and getting a guy like that if I was a team in need of a reliever. And then there's some guys who are under control through next year as well. We already saw Jock Peterson get dished to the Braves. Who knows? He could get dished again. That was kind of a rumor when they first got him. Joey Gallo is a guy the Yankees got with an extra year of control. Carlos Santana is interesting. I've heard that floated around for the Red Sox. You mentioned Rizzo at first base. Maybe they go Santana. Maybe they even go a guy like Kyle Schwarber. Maybe he'd be more of a DH in that situation. I could see Schwarber hitting so many bombs by pesky pole in uh, Boston Stadium. Honestly, I thought Kyle Schwarber was going to be the perfect New York Yankee, but now that they got Joey Gallo, not really expecting that. And then Kyle Gibson is the other one. The Rangers need to trade Kyle Gibson, right? Otherwise, this is just a repeat of, I believe it was Mike Miner. Mike Miner, Lance Lynn. This is a continuing trend for the Rangers. To be honest, the Rangers front office should be very disappointed with how they've handled Almost every trade deadline, it's kind of unbelievable that they don't know how to maximize value. Uh, they lost value on Elvis Andrews. And so it just wouldn't shock me if they say, no, you know what? This is our 
This is already I, – I just – I have a really hard time with the Rangers front office. I, I think that they've got some serious issues to deal with. The Daniels, uh, Chris Young, I thought he was going to be a pretty good ad. He, he's been okay at best. Um, I, I don't know what I feel about this. I just – Kyle Gibson should be traded. And, and knowing the Rangers, they're going to somehow try to think this is a great player to market around. They, they are a mess of an organization. They've got a lot of work ahead of them. Uh, it, it is going to be interesting to see what they do here, but they should be trading Kyle Gibson. Okay. And then the last guy would be Charlie Blackman, who technically signed through 2023, but he has a bunch of different player options. I feel like the Rockies should hundred percent trade him just because he's getting older. Yeah, I do too. And I mean, you know, next year he's making 21 mil the year after 13 mil. It's not like that's like difficult to, you know, handle if the Rockies can absorb some of that contract, maybe they buy a prospect. Essentially, it's not the worst idea. Uh, there's plenty of teams out there that could use another bat in the outfield too. And Charlie Blackman can be hitting anywhere in your lineup. I mean, he could lead off for you. He could hit third. You could throw him in the six hole. Nobody's going to freak out no matter where you have him. Right? Like he's he's pretty consistently a, a decent player. I know he's had a bit of a down year, but lately he's been hitting all right. And uh, this would be the time uh, if you are the Rockies to dish him while he still has value because you know, you don't want to pay him $21 million next year just for him to continue to regress from where he clearly already is. So yeah, I, I think that, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to monitor who would be interested in a guy like Blackman. I'm going to throw out because they need to redeem themselves. The Seattle Mariners would be interesting um, because Kellenic has not produced according to what we were kind of thinking he would maybe put Blackman in there, have that extra bat. Uh, I could see that being a possibility, the Mariners have some financial flexibility as well. Um, so maybe that's a possibility. They, they just don't really have a huge face uh, in that organization. So to add Chuck, Chuck Nasty, I think that would be kind of, uh, kind of interesting. And Blackman has really played a lot better since the beginning of the year, hitting 184 in April and March. Here's his last three months. May, he hit 310. June, he hit 289. So far in July, he's hitting 315. So now would be the perfect time. His value is starting to get back up. Dish him now if you're the Colorado Rockies. All right, last segment. This is life or absinthe. Pick a player who's not already named to a team on a trade that you're most confident in. You have to pick one. And if you lose, if, if one of us wins and the other one loses – then next show you owe a shot. That's yeah, and that's brutal. Have you ever had absinthe before, I Derek? Have not, and we're not going to be able to take a shot of absinthe, but just some shot. But you get the game. I've had absinthe before. It was the worst experience of my life. I do not recommend it. If you want to hate yourself for a good two hours, take a shot of absinthe. Uh, for me, I would say that just looking at the deadline, there's going to be quite a few pitchers that are needed, right? There, there's a pretty big need for starting pitching. A guy that I think is pretty underrated is Joe Ross, uh, the righty for the Washington Nationals. And of course, we don't know the whole situation with COVID and who's involved in that right now at the time of recording. Uh, hopefully for his sake, he's not. But he's posted a 380 RA. His whip is at 119. He's got a caper nine that's pretty impressive at 926. He's posted a couple quality starts. And recently, he's been putting up pretty decent starts. In fact, returning from the IL, he went five innings against the Phillies, allowed no runs, struck out four, had a pretty decent outing there. Um, and I like Joe Ross a lot. He's going to be an impending free agent. You would assume the Nationals trade him. I think that for a great fit for Ross, he's going to go to the Tampa Bay Rays. He seems to fit that mold. Um, and he could be a nice kind of 
middle ground guy that leads up to them eventually calling up Shane Baz. Uh, we don't know when they're going to do that. And so to be able to add a guy like Ross, I think that it kind of makes sense. They just traded away Rich Hill. Um, so maybe he's kind of their middle ground guy. It's going to be interesting to monitor, but I feel like Ross to the Rays is my pick. Okay, I'm going to go with Richard Rodriguez to the Toronto Blue Jays. He's been linked to the Blue Jays and the Phillies the most. I think it makes so much sense for the Blue Jays. Get some help in the bullpen. If you actually look at run differential in the NL East, they are second. It's Tampa Bay in first at plus 89. Toronto's in second at plus 85. Yet they're only 50 and 48. Maybe that means they're due for some more positive regression there, or maybe it means that they're losing too many close games. And if that's the case, get another reliever, go get Richard Rodriguez, who you've been rumored for. I think that's the one that I can just foresee happening the most and has already been kind of reported to that point. Kirby Yates was uh, supposed to be the guy for them this year, and uh, they really haven't had that guy in the ninth inning. So, yeah, I like that one a lot. All right, that's going to do it for this show. Bit of a longer show today with the trade deadline and such. Don't forget to subscribe to us. Tell your friends about us. Give us a five-star review. We're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Audible. Follow us, social media, at Booze and Baseball. Our email is boozeandbaseball at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions, alcohol to review, questions, fantasy questions, trade advice, whatever. Thanks to Mixed Kit for the stock music. Also, thank you to Man Cave Merch. Dusty's got his booze and baseball coaster now in addition to mine. They look sharp. They look sweet. They look shiny. And they keep your coffee table or whatever you put them on shiny as well because you're not going to have the little coaster stains and everything. And these are for purchase as well. So if you are an avid listener of our show, you can reach out to us and we will feed you directly to Man Cave Merch. You can also DM him at Man Cave Merch. Uh, great, great coasters here, Derek. I'm a big fan of these and uh, it's really, really awesome to have this partnership with a, a great startup business, if you will. And uh, Man Cave Merch does, puts out great content and, and just overall love these. Yep, they're absolutely wonderful. Get one, drink responsibly, and have a good one. For Dusty Baker, I'm Derek Johnson. Have a good trade deadline. Bye.